Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Pitch Talk. We are fans of football dropping vlogs, videos and podcasts on the beautiful game. Check out our videos on YouTube and Instagram's IGTV. Including special feature segments, vlogs such as... 5 Minutes with a G. The Straight Shooting View. Coaching with JBK. Audio on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podomatic, Spotify and other podcast platforms. Join the Pitch Talk revolution on social media. Twitter, Instagram. We have a group and fan page on Facebook. The pitch is where we eat. The pitch is where we sleep. And the pitch is where we talk. Pitch Talk Special Feature. Welcome to this Pitch Talk special feature. Yours truly straight shooting LJA and I am here with... JBK. We want to dive into underrepresentation of black and minority ethnic female players in football. Anita Asante says the lack of representation both on the team and behind the scenes is another challenge, especially as the number of BAME players has decreased over the past few years in the women's game. From leadership to organization management, the lack of representation is a barrier, she said. People don't have that connection necessarily to the game because they don't see people that look like them or have shared um, or have their shared uh, lived experience. Um, Asante remembers England legend Rachel Yankee leading the training session when she was a teenager at Arsenal and says it made a huge difference having someone she could relate to. Um, she said she comes from a similar background and all of these connections that we could build made me feel like this was a space that I really wanted to be in. So I, I, I think there, I think there is a lot to be said for what Anita Asante um, it said in the quote there, where it's like, if you can't see someone who looks like you as someone higher ranked, someone high ranking, like a chairman or an owner of a club, then what have you got to aspire to? And not everybody has that motivation inside themselves to be their own inspiration. Some people need that spark. Some people need a kick up the backside. Some people need to be able to visualize themselves in a position that they see somebody that looks like them is already in. So I think that's why for American youngsters, it was, in, it was important um, that Barack Obama became president because it's like, oh, it's always said I can be anything. There's been all these barriers, but now there's a black man in the White House. I can now be that. I would have loved to have had that over here where there was a black prime minister. But the fact of the matter is that's a totally different story. And Obama was great for America, but it, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't representing us as black British people. It was black American. But, um, but it's one of them was, I think, especially with, Obviously, young, obviously, young women. I mean, there's been a massive growth in obviously the women's game since 20, since 2012 in this country, um, and in the states, it's always been massive. It's always been massive, but I think there's still that perception problem, where, as Anita Asante said, there, there there is that perception that it is basically a white space because in terms of progressing into the game there's those there's those barriers where all you're seeing is an all-white team it's like i don't know that players may feel that i don't know if i can fit into that and if i do go into it 
it's like how much of a pressure cooker is it going is it going to be? Because you look at the situation the situation as well um, that I that I wanted to bring up too is the perception of women's football after the um, what's it the FA apologising to Eniola Raluco and Drew Spence for racially discriminatory remarks and and you look at and you look at what happened you look at what happened with the Mark Sampson versus Eniola Raluco situation where the FA clearly sided with Mark Sampson from day one and they like they, like the mud mudslinging where we did a pitch talk um we did a, a pitch talk show discussing this um a few years ago when it happened and it was one of them ones where the way Eniola Aluko was treated the way Drew Spence was treated Aluko was a lot more outspoken and she got basically ostracized from that women's squad for it which was a which was an absolute disgrace because she was speaking up she was speaking up after after, after the race after I was I was going to come on I was going to get on to um, Leanne Sanderson because Leanne Sanderson basically got ostracized from the squad as well because she stood up and said yeah this was said to Aluko this was said she corroborated um, Aluko's story and got ostracized for it and it's like, wait, hold on a minute. So the victim and somebody who's spoken up for the victim of this of this racially discriminatory language have been ostracized. So what kind of message does that send out to someone of a black or, black or minority and minority ethnic background who wants to get in the game? When you're seeing that happen in the England squad, you're gonna you're gonna automatically step back and think to yourself, Why do I even nah. want to play the sport? Exactly. I don't, I don't want no I don't want that happening to me and then if you and then, and then if you become a parent you're going to be like well I don't want that to happen to my kids so there's a generation there starts to be a generational knock-on effect that people don't get into the game because of that mm-hmm. and I think that has a massive massive impact that kind of perception when you've got that as your view of one side of the game or just the game in general that level of that level of like really systemic that systemic racism that is basically that is basically that is basically encouraged by the powers that be in football not just not just the FA but FIFA UEFA with their lack of punishments and sometimes their punishments when they do hand them out are utterly pointless and it's one of them. It's one of them where, when you're seeing stuff like that, is it any wonder that people from a black and, mi- and or minority ethnic background don't want to get into the game? Because it's just it's not showing itself to be inclusive. I mean, you've got the whole taking a knee thing, which I've done a couple of vlogs on um, on YouTube.com forward slash Pitch Talk already. But it's one of them was taking the knee is a token gesture, and it was always going to be that. And I said in June of 2020 that, yeah, it's all good, like Premier League having old Black Lives Matter on the sides of shirts and on the backs of shirts and and all that. But at the end of the day, until there's change at the top, it means nothing. And taking the knee with match of the day is just part of the show and has been for a long time. It's just part of the show now. And it's like there's no real change that has come from it. So the un- for me, the underrepresentation of black and minority ethnic people when women within the women's game is of no real surprise. Um, it's disappointing. It's sad because the women's game has always been 
in my opinion, from what I've seen of it over the past, what, probably six, seven years that we've been discussing it regularly on pitch talk shows, it's been one of them ones where, and from going to the Women's FA Cup final um, back in 2015, youtube.com forward slash pitch talk for pitch talk at the Women's FA Cup final in 2015. We saw a lot more women there. We met girls on the ball there as well. Um, we caught up with them. Um, okay. it, was, it was also, there were a lot of children there. Like black children, white children, we even interviewed some as well. So as I said, youtube.com forward slash pitch talk. It was one of them where you saw that diversity in the fans, but it's disappointing to see that there's not that diversity in the players. Already the men, but the, but the, yeah, and on staff, but the men's and women's games sadly seems to be similar in regards to the hierarchy. So where you've got head coaches, chairman, um, board members and all that, where they are they are not representative of the nation that they're in because Britain is very multi is very multicultural. England is very multicultural. London is very multicultural. So it's, it's so the sporting institutions need to represent that government needs to represent that, but that's also a different issue as well. And for me, I think accessibility from Fatu, um, Fatu Gadada, who was mentioning about accessibility when she was 16 and the FA not helping. The FA just saying, oh yeah, well, just ask one of the first team players. It's like, dude, no, like, like she's a 16-year-old. And the 16-year-old female at that, there needs to be a safe space created for females to be able to get, to be able to get around. That just does, especially, especially like, especially minors. Because speaking as a father myself, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want any of my girls to to have to to have to ask someone that they don't know, a big grown adult. I wouldn't want them at sixteen and below having to walk up to a basically a perfect stranger and say, "Can I jump in your car with you?" No, that should never have to happen, especially not for minors. Not even. Not even. Not even just. Not even just women. Not even just girls. It shouldn't happen for minors at all. It's one of them was there should be a pathway and the FA, the FA have a lot to answer for and a lot of responsibility because they're supposed to be. Remember, do you remember what Martin Glenn said when, what's it, Sam Allardyce was sacked? The FA are the guardians of the game. Not the galaxy, guardians of the game. Martin Glenn said that word for word, that the FA are the guardians of the game. So it's one of them ones where where it's like they the FA needs to step up and sort and sort that sort that out. And as I said, accessibility for those again from those from impoverished backgrounds, how are you gonna how are you gonna get them how are you gonna get the money to go 144 miles? That's absurd. And even with um back in I think it was 2013, 2014, when we did Pitch Talk Meets Manisha Taylor. And she brought up at that time about St. George's Park. It's great having that hub for the England team and future talent. But at the end of the day, to get up to workshops there, it's not cheap. I mean, if you can get a bursary, then that's all good. But those are few and far between nowadays. Mm -hmm. You can't go up there on a day trip and come back the same day. You have to stay over. So there's transport costs with that. Mm. There's a hotel, there's hotel stays that you that you have to factor in as well. And especially if these courses are at weekends, you're paying a premium for travel and hotels anyway, because it's a weekend. 
So it's one of them where that can run into hundreds of pounds. And if you and if you're from an impoverished background, you can't necessarily afford that. And also there's the issue of if you can get time off work, if you can't get time off work, then you're taking unpaid leave. If you're taking unpaid leave and then having to shell out a few hundred quid, it that can very quickly get pricey. So these these accessibility barriers, the stereotypes, the perception of of women's football, which I think was majorly hurt for those from a black and minority ethnic background because of the Aniola Aluko and Drew Spence um, versus Mark Sampson issue. I think that did major damage because I, because I said because I said it's one of them ones. You saw you literally saw a you literally saw what. Two black women, three, including Leanne Sanderson, who were basically hung out to dry by the England manager and the Football Association, who backed that manager as well. And then later on, and, and then later on turned around and apologized. So it's one of them ones where it's like, if you're seeing that happening, why are you going to want to put yourself, why are you going to want to put yourself at risk like that? Why, yeah, why are you going to want to put yourself through that? And I think these are these are major reasons why there is underrepresentation in the women's game on the pitch, let alone off it. Because because at the end, because at the end of the day, it's one of them was at least with the men's game, black and white, well, black players are very heavily represented on the pitch. But then once you start going up and going up the chain, then you start to see that underrepresentation. So, so it's one. So it's one. Of them ones where it's where it's like in the women's in the women's game, this is happening on the pitch where that underrepresentation is happening. So it's like it, it's it's just one of them ones where I said there are so many different strands as to why it's happening, and the powers that be keep asking the question, keep doing these token gestures, keep doing these these initiatives, but there needs to be more done to attack that systemic problem. And I said, when you've got those stereotypes, when you've got, when you've got managers who may not think that they've got the time to invest in players from impoverished backgrounds that they don't understand, that, that manager may want to understand that player and be like, you know what? I want to understand. I want to understand. I want to take the time and sit down with you. But because the way the game set up, it's all predicated on results. You may be out of a job in three or four games when that player may need six, seven, eight, nine months of mentoring. And even that's a key one. That's another key as well. If you haven't got, if you haven't got any black and minority ethnic head coaches, chairman or anything like that, how you can't do, you can't then do mentoring. You can't like you that side then then lacks as well. So it's like okay, we've got nobody who looks like us in the top levels of the game, and there's no one to mentor us and encourage us to go for those spots because of that fact. And in women and in, in women's football, from the outside looking in, it looks like it's even worse than in the men's game because of that. And I said that underrepresentation of players on the pitch shows that, in my opinion, that it's even worse. So it's like it, it, it's it's absolutely and utterly frustrating that this is the case because it really shouldn't be. 
it really should not be the case. And the FA will try and turn a blind eye and say, oh, we're doing this. We're doing that. We've got this advisory. We've got this discrimination, inclusivity, whatever, whatever buzzwords, catchphrases you want to put in front of it. And that's, again, that's another issue as well. Not to deviate too much, but you look at Marcus Rashford and what he's done recently. We will do a special feature on that because it deserves it. But um, look at the way, look at the way certain sections of the media have attacked him. Sterling. And look at yeah, Raheem Sterling and his community work as well. And, and, it's a, and it's a case of where, like, look, I said, look at how the media vilified Eniola Raluco. Because she was going up against the England manager, Mark Sampson. Look at how she, she was vilified for it. And there were a lot of people coming out and saying, oh no, she's lying. Oh, she's this, she's that. I said, we did, we did, we did drill down on the, into that situation in detail on a pitch talk. So we'll put the link, we'll put the link, um, in the description below. But it's one of them ones where, where it's like, when you've got those kind of situations happening, I said, is it any wonder that people from black and minority ethnic backgrounds are not keen on going into the hierarchies or um, and and or being or, or even just stepping onto the pitch i mean it, it, we've seen a rise in black players being racially abused again not to get off topic but look at alex scott specifically Whereas, like, when it was rumoured that I think Sue Barker was going to step back from um, a question of sport, and it was rumoured that Alex Scott was going to take that presenting spot, she got a deluge of racist abuse. So it's like, so it's one of them ones where it's like, again, you've got that underrepresentation on television as well. So I said, football is a microcosm of society, mm-hmm. where it's like you've got underrepresentation everywhere, and when someone does try and break through, they get slapped down from it by a parasitic media. So it's like, is it any wonder that there is that underrepresentation when there shouldn't be? There really should not be, but there is. And as, and as we've discussed, a number of reasons for it. But it, it's one of them ones. It's sad to see in women's football, because, especially because at the end of the day, that side of the game has always looked more inclusive. From the outside, again, from the outside looking in for me, it's like, it's always looked that bit more inclusive. And that's it from that, from that cup final that we went to in 2015. It's a case of it looked so much more inclusive. The atmosphere was different where it was like, it wasn't the intense tribalism that is prevalent in the men's game. There wasn't that. It was a lot more of a friendly atmosphere because I said there were families, there were children as it's like about as well, like um, a group of a group of school kids that we spoke to. So it's one of them where it's like it's it's so sad to see that there is this lack of representation and the powers that be don't seem to know why. When I th- I think they do know why they're just playing they're just playing dumb or just pleading the fifth. But I think the powers, I think the powers that be know why there's a lack of representation, accessibility, stereotypes, among, among, among other issues in terms, in terms of representation. So it's like, I, 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 it can be changed, but the system, but yeah, whether it's, whether it's going to, and the system itself has to be changed. You have to change a system. You can't change parts of a machine and expect the whole machine to change. No, you have to basically destroy and rebuild. You have to completely take that machine apart, cut it, cut it, gut it, quarter it, 
and then you rebuild that that same system not not in the same way but you rebuild that system to be more inclusive from the ground up not from the top down from the ground up and then you rebuild those foundations and you build things on a more level playing field I think the problem has always been just to cut you off there I think the the main issue that I found um within the women's game um is that there is a massive representation of how many men or not necessarily men but 24 year olds uh men in the game um representing at the highest level um in team sports and I I don't want to gripe about the age or anything like that but it's almost like it's been treated as let me just get into this part of the t- uh, this part of football so that I can jump to the men's game. Oh, so you're talking in terms of the amount of men running the game but using it as a stepping stone instead of saying, you know what, I want to create a legacy here, I want to help build the game. They're just using it as a stepping stone to get into the men's game. Massively. And then you look at it from, from other teams and you kind of go, well, that's a culture that's been created. That's just simply how it is. Like, I'd look at it and I think, yes, we probably needed Hegarisa. I'm not saying that she isn't great, but how many coaches out there have all got a UEFA Pro license, may not have the the skill set, uh, may not have the, the level of experience that Hegarisa has as manager of, uh, of an England national team. But funny enough, Phil Neville's um, assistant, Congrats on the job, by the way. Has now become the national team for Canada, uh, the national team, uh, national team manager for Canada for Canada women. But I look at that and I think, well, shouldn't that be the direction that we should be going in? In terms of she just um, instead of having a male, you now become the female head coach. But then we've noticed that Emma Hayes, fantastic manager, she's got Chelsea to the levels that they needed to be, and she's done it with pretty much little to no backing. Casey Stoney, um, Lucy, uh, quite a few coaches who were at the top of the game at the time when Mark Sampson was uh, pretty much did the wrong thing and then he did it again. And that's what really got me. You talked about the inappropriate relationship at Bristol yeah. Academy, ladies, that he had. And then again, and then, he, and he, he, did it, he did it again. And it was just like, OK. Um, if you're seeing people get also as well, sorry, sorry, if if you're seeing people get if you're seeing certain people getting away with that kind of thing, that's another barrier where you're thinking, oh, they can get away with that. But if I challenge that person, I'm seen as having an attitude and I get blacklisted for it. Yeah, that's not fair. You know what? Bugger it. It's not worth the hassle. I think no, that's uh, another one yeah. as well. And it was just it was just kind of like one of those things where I, I just said, I've, like I said, with Emma Hayes, she actually said media for, for any reason I don't need this England job I don't know I can't remember the reason why she said she don't, um, she rejected it but she said there's no point in me going for this job and I was just like you know what good on you as far as I'm concerned yeah. um, for every reason possible you don't necessarily need, need the job you're enjoying your time at Chelsea look at the uh, machine that you've made at Chelsea keep it going as much as possible as far as I'm concerned, Emma Hayes made the right decision then, as she did with the AFC Wimbledon job, which happened to be a men's job. And she said no to that. And it's just like, well, why am I going to take a stepping stone down to leave a stepping stone up, which is Chelsea women? 
And I'm not saying that AFC Wimbledon has stepped down. I'm just saying Chelsea women are, in their own right, one of the best teams in the world right now. They don't need to... There's, Emma Hayes didn't need to move on to AFC Wimbledon to notice and get noticed by a bunch of men who probably would have said, well, you shouldn't be here. That's not how it should be. And then look at the, the women's game and go, well, she left because she just didn't... Everybody's going to say, well, she needed the challenge. No, she didn't. Mm. The challenge is every single day working as much as she can. And by rights, she's doing herself proud. She's doing herself proud and she's doing what she can just for the team. She's made, she's made Chelsea one of the powerhouses of the, um, the WSL. And now, hopefully, she gets through, the, um, gets through to the Champions League because at the moment, there's only been one team from England that's ever won the Champions League, the Women's Champions League. It was truly Arsenal. But at the same time, that's the last thing that we need to know. Right now, it's a case of how many people are representing on that stage so that they look like somebody that every woman, every child, every young girl can actually go, I want to be like them someday. Because at the moment, if everybody's still saying that they want to be a presenter, there isn't going to be a footballing team to, um, to watch. There's just going to be a lot of women, uh, women literally presenting men's football. And we haven't, we, as much as we don't have enough of those, we don't need everybody becoming um, a presenter. Mm-hmm. We just need as many as we can get at the same time, as many footballers at the same time on the pitch as well. I've got a couple of questions for you, just to round out. Um, do you think we'll see Hope Powell back in the game in terms of high profile? Um, so do you think she'll... Do you, do, you, do you think at some point she'll manage another international side? Not go back to the England uh, side, okay. but in terms right. of going back to another international side, do you think, like, let's say the USA ladies or Canada ladies, do you think that Hope Powell will end up getting to a more high-profile high job within the women's game? Do you think she will jump to the men's game at some point? Nah. And also as well, Alex Scott, Rachel Yankee, do you think... Those, do you think those two will, at some point within the next five to ten years, potentially be in the England manager's role for the England ladies? I would hope that they could, um, but again, it's not up to me. It's not up. For, it's not up for a bait. Do you think? Do you think it's possible? Alex Scott could. Um, Rachel Yankee's trying to get there, and and it would be nice if she could. She's done a, a job at London Bees. Um, Barnet, for those that don't know who that is. Hope Powell has been at uh, Brighton and Hove Albion for the past, I think, two years now, maybe three, and has done a good job keeping them in the in the um, in the WSL and trying to prop them up the table. It's not been easy with lack of funding um, to the women's game. So she's not able to find the players that will probably suit the style that she wants to play. But she's doing amazing with the players that she's got. She always has. Um, she was the first England, I think the first black England manager um, to grace the side of the pitch. And she so happened to have barriers there. And she's spoken out rightly. I, sp- I, spoke, I didn't speak to her directly. I, I listened to her on a, on a um, Zoom call again. I would explain as, as much as everybody hates them. Get on them if you have a webinar that you can actually listen to, especially in 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 football, and listen to her. And she said that there were the barriers holding her back, even when they were going to the um to the World Cup, especially in in Japan, where the whole squad had to choose between playing or working. 
they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough money apparently just to make sure that the the England squad was represented. So they had they had to choose between working or or paying bills. Uh, between working or playing in a World Cup that they may never get the chance to again. It was just like well, that's the whole point of why you represent your squad, um, just to have that experience. And unfortunately, they didn't. Uh, some had to choose the latter in terms of paying the bills. Others wanted to play and play in the World Cup, and it turned out to be the right choice for them. Some it turned out to be the wrong choice, but that's what it was like in 2011. Excuse me. Um, but again, Hope Powell again with if she was to join, if she was to take on a role that high, I think it would be it'd have to be somebody who really fully backed her um, as much as they could and looked at it and went, "We know what experience you've got, so we're going to give you minimum." five-year contract to try and do what you can to make the nation as best as possible um, be the best players that they can be not just this team we want the nation to be in that that realm of um, conversation so it's possible it's just about being given time and resources um, it's possible it's about the vision that she chooses to hold within the, the within the role because you can do that with England but again, the powers that be are the ones that hold the resources. So the choice isn't going to be necessarily easy. I think Canada and USA are a bit more um, open because they're very competitive and they want to know what the best will be like if they can try. Um, New Zealand, another one. Australia uh, being at the top there where they will try to give as much as they can. I think it has to be a developing uh, nation. And I'm, when I mean developing nation, I mean a team that isn't necessarily... Um, established for Hope Power to actually sh- really shine so that she can really st- put a stamp on the game in that country. That's what I think there's a lot of people that need to do nowadays and that's that's the ironic thing is it's it's a case of getting coaches like Hope Powell, Emma Hayes and everybody else to actually go out to whether they want to or not it's, it's up to them but I'm saying whether they want to go and put their stamp on a team out in Africa or a team out in um, in Asia and go, you know what, we're going to make this the best team in the um, best country for the next five years as best as we can. The team, to, the team to almost beat in this area of the world, then we'll do that. And that's what we're going to do. They're not going to just build upon the next World Cup. We're going to build on the next two World Cups, and then hopefully whatever continental continent they decide to um, they decide to represent. Let's just put our our money into what can we do to help this whole country um, become the best footballing nation that they can be at this point in time in their life. I can see someone someone like a Rachel Yankee and especially Alex Scott with the, with the the depth of knowledge that Alex Scott seems to have because um, the way she comes across as a pundit I could definitely see that potentially resulting in an opportunity to manage a club hopefully it won't go as bad as Gary Neville um, at Valencia because hey, he, he's a very good pundit but <laughs> but it doesn't always translate but Alex Scott Rachel Yankee Hope Powell I'm really hoping that they can potentially be those who open more doors 
for those of black and minority ethnic backgrounds um because those those three especially they're very they're high profile um and have have been and continue to be and then they're known they're known faces so it's all it's always one of them ones where it's easier to aspire to a known face because then more people can connect to that and then build that up so I'm I wish all three of them I wish all three of them the best um and I I think within the next five ten years it's possible but as I'm in agreement with you where they need to be given time and resources and also not be fast-tracked and also in in the case of say an Alex Scott and Rachel Yankee not be fast-tracked into a job too early because that can also have its own pitfalls as well. Paul Lentz, Blackburn. Um, if you're fast-tracked into a job too quickly, then it's like, well, it does more harm than good. Because if everything crumbles down and you're held responsible for it, you end up looking inept. And then because of the way it seems to be a one-in-one-out policy, it's one of them ones where one person can end up burning a bridge for 10 others because the stereotype is, oh, well, that person didn't succeed. Oh, yeah, let's stay away from that group. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 think that's, I think that's a critical factor within it as well. But you know what? That has been our Pitch Talk special feature with myself, Straight Shoot, and LJA at... JBK. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit with the main man once again. <laughs> the main man, the big man, the medium-sized man. Where's the little man? I don't know where the little man is. But you know what? Yeah, we've we've had a, we've had an absolute blast discussing um, discussing the topic on this pitch talk special feature, um, the underrepresentation of black and minority ethnic female players in football. Remember, youtubecom forward slash pitch talk is where you can catch all of our videos. Twitter.com forward slash pitch talk or at pitch talk. Um, tweet with us, follow us, see what we're up to at pitch talk on Instagram as well. We post previews to our vlogs and podcasts up there. So keep an eye on Instagram for all the preview material and the full versions on YouTube. Also, we do audio versions as well on Podomatic, Podbean, um, also Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and via Player FM as well, or wherever you pick up your podcasts. Um, check out our RSS feed. Um, that will be in the description as well. Facebook.com forward slash pitch talk. Become a fan, become a friend, become a member of the group. Join the footballing revolution we are working so hard to create. Tell a friend, rate, subscribe, share, spread the word. Like love, pitch talk is there to be spread, spread around. But um, yeah, I said, I've been straight shooting LJA. Um, JBK. You don't sound sure about that. I wasn't. I wasn't. I think I zoned out. The lights. Bright lights. Lights. Camera. Bright lights. Um. <laughs> and until stage next... fright. People stage fright. <laughs> oh, it's been a blast, man. But you know what? We want to know your views. Comment section is below. Hit us up on the social networks as well. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us on this Pitch Talk special feature. Till next time, see you later, people. Pitch Talk special feature. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Pitch Talk. We are fans of football dropping vlogs 
videos and podcasts on the beautiful game. Check out our videos on YouTube and Instagram's IGTV. Including special feature segments, vlogs such as... 5 Minutes with the G. The Straight Shooting View. Coaching with JBK. Audio on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podomatic, Spotify and other podcast platforms. Join the Pitch Talk Revolution on social media. Twitter, Instagram. We have a group and fan page on Facebook. The pitch is where we eat. The pitch is where we sleep. And the pitch is where we talk.